So previously in the last two chapters, we had a very interesting story about David when it was, you know, there's war and there's Goliath, a man who was trained for war since he was a child. And the war was arraigned and no one from the Israelite side was actually willing to go and face the giant. And so by the grace of God and by the training that David had received in the wilderness while he was taking care of the sheep, he showed up while taking food to his brothers and he heard this monster mocking God. You know, I don't know if you've encountered situation in your life where you are in the street somewhere or you're just minding your own business and you hear people mock God. I don't know what goes through your mind. You know, you want to kill somebody. (laughs) You want to do something to hurt someone, right? how, How could you, how can you speak bad about the creator of the universe? Do you not know who he is? And that went deep, and David remembered that, well, this man who is coming with javelin and all these tools or war equipment, he's coming with his experience. But you know what David said? I am coming to you in the name of the Lord God of Israel to whom you're defiling. I'm coming to you through his name. In other words, he's saying, hey, you're going down. (laughs) You're going down. And at that point, you know, the only thing that enters his mind was the stone. (laughs) That was the only thing that drove into his mind. And he died, and David uh, chopped his head, and he was running around with his head. It was heavy, I suppose, but... You know, he's used to that kind of life, carrying the, uh, the, the sheep in his uh, shoulder when they're not well. And that happened, and now they have victory. The Philistine, they ran away. And then in uh, chapter 18, we see that there are praises that have been given. And these praises... They didn't, they they were well intended, but they were not received well by the king. These women, while they were singing, chapter 18, verse 7, says, So the women sang and they danced and said, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands. Oh man, this was not easy on uh, Saul. Another man is beginning to receive praises, a lot of them instead of me. And whoever is singing this, they're singing it from their heart. They know that it is true. This is a great man. But Saul did not take it well. He started to grow hard feelings. How could it be? I don't know if he thought... You know, he was told before, as we read last week, you know, your your kingdom has been taken away from you. 
Someone else has taken it already. And considering that if it played in his mind that someone else has already taken your kingdom, it's like maybe they know something. Maybe he's the guy. Maybe he's the man that God has appointed. So what am I going to do right now? I'm going to plot something. The girl that was supposed to be given to David for marriage was given to someone else. <laughs> you remember the promise was, whoever kills the giant, you'll have the king's daughter, and all these goodies will come with it. But the one that he was supposed to be given was given to someone else. But there was another one who loved David, the Bible said. <laughs> he saw David and he loved David. Without David knowing, hallelujah. <laughs> you know, looking at people and they're like, ah, oh, are they going to say something? <laughs> you know, we, we always expect something, right? You, we want people to speak to us, especially at that age. We want someone to come. My job is to present myself, and their job is to talk. <laughs> when they're not talking, is a problem, right? <laughs> the Bible said, this girl, Michal, she loved David. And so she was given to David by his father, so, but the intention was not right. She was given so that she can ensnare David, so that David will be killed by Saul. What a wonderful father, right? <laughs> Let us read chapter 19. Now Saul spoke to Jonathan, his son, and to all his servants, that they should kill David. But Jonathan, Saul's son, delighted greatly in David. So Jonathan told David, saying, My father Saul seeks to kill you. Therefore, please be on your guard until morning. And stay in a secret place and hide. And I will go out and stand beside my father in the field where you are. And I will speak with my father about you. Then what I observe, I will tell you. Thus Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul his father and say to him, let not the king sin against his servant, against David, because he has done, he has not sinned against you. And because his works have been very good towards you, for he took his life in his hands and killed the Philistine. And the Lord brought about a great deliverance for all Israel. You saw it and rejoiced. Why then will you sin against innocent blood to kill David without a cause? This is what basically we want to 
try to think about tonight or talk about tonight. It is Saul's pride, Jonathan's loyalty, and God's majesty. Saul's pride, Jonathan's loyalty, and God's majesty. So after all these good things did happen, if we read a chapter before this, chapter 18, we see that David was brought into Saul's house. And they dwelt as before, as, you know, as a family, as friends. But then it came to his mind, you know, this guy, perhaps if I let him leave, he's going to take over. You remember when we read this chapter 18, it says, and an evil spirit came upon who? Saul. And he threw a spear towards David to kill him. And David ran away. And now Saul is not relenting. He wants this guy dead. And it's not now a secret. He's bringing before his son and before these servants. And say, I want to kill him. I want to commit murder. <laughs> How many of us, if you want to kill someone, you just tell people, like, hey, I want to kill? People will think you're not serious, right? <laughs> this is not a serious guy. Takuchapa. <laughs> you know how people are like, Takuchapa. But some people are different. They're like, Takuchapa. You know how African mothers, before, they will say, I will chapa you when they already are feeling it in your, <laughs> in your body. I will chapa you. But this young man, a friend of David called Solomon, these were buddies, they were friends. Something just clicked in him and he said, no, this ain't right. Can we all think about it, you know, logically? This man did put his life on the line, not just for one person. His life was on the line and then, the life of all the Israelites were on the line too. And this guy decided to go and face the giant. He killed him. And the Bible said that victory came to all people, not just one person. Victory came to the children of Israel. David did not say, hey, I have killed this warrior so you guys go ahead and talk about me. Those praises, they can come, you know. They can come my way. I, I, I'm ready to receive them. We don't hear such sentiments. But Saul is seeking to kill him. So Jonathan told David, <laughs> it's like it's, this is no secret. I'm going to tell him anyways. He comes and tells David of what his father is seeking to do. Say, my father seeks to kill you. Therefore, please be on guard until morning and stay in a secret place and hide. Stay in a secret place and hide. What a wonderful friend. 
You know, how many friends do you have that you can count on today? <laughs> that can put their lives in the line for you and say, if they're going to do this, I'm not going to allow it. I'm going to stand by them. I'm with you until the end of time. <laughs> do we have such friends? Maybe you have, maybe you don't. Maybe you're not even sure. You're not even sure if you have friends, right? <laughs> like, ah. You know, nowadays how we gauge friends? Watch a shit Watch a kuje. Then you will know who your friends are. Let me tell you for sure. Sometimes they will not help you, not because... They didn't want to help. They're unable to help you. So why kick them away? Because they didn't help you when you needed help. We can end up just keeping people away from our lives just because they didn't help us. When we were contributing, you, you know, nowadays it's, everything is WhatsApp, right? It's wedding, it's WhatsApp. It's, uh, we want to go for lunch, it's WhatsApp. It, we want to, well, it's WhatsApp. Let's go to town, it's WhatsApp. We feel nice when we are admins. <laughs> I can choose you, I can remove you. Do you have a friend that can stick by you? That the, when the enemy is trying to attack you, they will protect you. They, hey, they say, hey friend, go this direction. This road you're following is going to kill you. It's going to destroy you. I've seen how these people are coming towards you. I've seen that man. I've seen that woman. I've seen these people. The way they're coming on you, not good. Turn away. Go the other direction. Or are you the, the one that if they told you of what the enemy is planning, say, weevil. <laughs> weevil. Do you have such friends, loyal friends, that they care about you even in your absence? They don't just say things when you're there. Like, yeah, I care about you, I love you, and all these things when you're away. <laughs> Jonathan told David, saying, my father's soul seeks to kill you. Therefore, please be on guard. That's a very good advice from a good friend. Say, be on your guard. Be on guard. Hide yourself, and I will go out and stand beside my father in the field where you are, and I will speak with my father about you. Then, what I observe, I will tell you. <laughs> In other words, I'm also going to gather extra emotions that he has. Whatever he's going to say, I am going to bring it back to you. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to hook you up. <laughs> I'm going to let you know. I will tell you. I will not hide it from you. That is a good friend who will say, hey, I will tell you. 
Hata mimi nimeenda interview nikisikia kitu takuambia ah people <laughs> people don't say these things they have an opportunity somewhere like hey i have a brother i have someone 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 you you'd rather call someone from the village and leave people around here and they've been tamaking with you the whole time really if i hear of anything i'll let you know and in this case he's going to hear the response of his father after he's spoken well about david thus jonathan spoke well of david to Saul his father and say to him let not the king sin against his servant against david because he has not sinned against you and because his works have been very good towards you don't go into sin because you're angry Don't go into sin because of your emotions. You can't control them. You are afraid of him because of the praises that has been given to him. He earned them while you look upon and you you were thankful that this giant was killed, right? Why then sin against him by trying to kill? by sinning by trying to kill him you're actually sinning against the one who appointed him you're sinning against the one who anointed him king over israel why do you want to do that he took his life in his hands and killed the philistine And the Lord brought about a great deliverance for all Israel not just for one person for all Israel you saw it and rejoiced that day you were happy that it happened but today why then will you sin against the innocent blood to kill David without a cause why do you want to kill him without a cause Why is it so important for you that you want to kill? This conversation I was thinking about it, thinking about Saul and I'm thinking about Jonathan. This is his own father he's confronting. And my question is, when do you say no to your family? when they are on the wrong or do you know when to say no to them when they're wrong it doesn't matter who they are whether it's your father it's your mother it's your brother it's your sister it's your child do you know when to say no to them Here we have a man who is saying no to his father. Say no. You can't do that. This man has not offended you. He's not done anything wrong. 
And you know, some of us are thinking, how on earth <laughs> do you think I can face my father? Do you guys know my father? <laughs> do you guys know him? No, you don't. And parents, do you have the humility to say you're sorry when your children are correcting you in any way? It's only a perfect parent who will never say, I'm sorry. We are human beings. <laughs> we'll, we'll sin against our children. You know what the Bible says in the New Testament? You parents, do not provoke your children to anger. Do not provoke them. But here we have a man who is trying to defend his friend. And that was right. And for that cause, you know, as I said earlier, Saul had given her daughter to David not just for marriage, but for a snare so that he can kill David. Saul tries to hang on the earthly leadership. He doesn't want to let it go by his attempt to eliminate David. This is what he's thinking. If I get rid of this guy, I am safe. I'm fine. So Saul heeded the voice of Jonathan and swore. This is what he said. As the Lord lives, he shall not be killed. He's saying this with his mouth. As the Lord lives, he shall not be killed. But we will see that that is actually not true. It's a lie. It's a snare. He just wants his son to not talk about it anymore. So he's trying to eliminate David. And if you, you know, are a Bible scholar, you read the story even in the New Testament, you see these religious leaders and the Pharisees, what they were trying to do with our Lord Jesus Christ. They were trying to eliminate Jesus so that they can continue with their dynasty, with their leadership, because he was a threat to them. But you know what Jesus said? No one takes my life. I lay it down. It is my willingness to do that. Jonathan had a great loving heart, but I think there was one aspect that was missing somewhere. Discernment to know whether his father is just saying this for the sake or does he really mean what he said? Because sometimes we can just go things, we can do things in love. And we are so committed to these things. But sometimes we, we lack basic discernment to know. And I believe 
that every Christian should have basic discernment to know things. To know things. You hear speeches from people, you see things, how they happen, you're like, this one is a no-go zone. I'm not supposed to go there. Or whatever they're saying, let me verify that with God's word. Wisdom cries out loud, and it says, this one, this ain't true, or this is right. Jonathan just took his father's word. He did not even think about it. He thought that was final. My father has said, no one will kill David. Me and him, we are good right now. He shall not be killed. Then Jonathan called David, and Jonathan told him all these things. So Jonathan brought David to Saul, and he was in his presence as in times past. It's like the relationship is mended, so we are good. But we don't know the heart. You know what the Bible says? The heart of man is desperately wicked beyond measure. Who can know it? It's wicked. And there was war again. And David went out and fought with the Philistines and struck them with a mighty blow. And they fled from him. Now the distressing spirit from the Lord came upon Saul as he sat in his house with his spear in his hand. Here he goes. And David was playing music with his hand. What a wonderful guy. That he's gone for war. He's fought. God has given them victory. And he's coming back. What is he doing? Just playing music, having a good time. Minding his own business, just playing music, solo, playing music. Then Saul sat as in his hour. He had a spear in his hand, and David was playing music with his hand. So both hands are busy. <laughs> one is playing music, is one is craving for blood. Craving for blood. He wants to kill. The other hand, praising God. You know, the Bible says in the letters that Peter writes, he said, let everyone lift up holy hands to the Lord as we worship. Lifting up Holy hands, not hands that are ready to plan for evil. They want to kill people, striving to divide people. Then Saul sought to pin David to the wall with a spear, but slipped away from Saul's presence and he drove the spear into the wall. So David fled and escaped that night. Is he the same man who said no one will kill David? <laughs> what is happening? Saul also sent messengers 
to David's house to watch him and to kill him in the morning. And Michael, David's wife, who is Saul's daughter, told him, saying, if you do not save your life tonight, tomorrow you'll be killed. So Michael led David down through a window and he went and fled and escaped. And Michael took an image and laid it in the bed, put a cover of goat's hair for his head and covered it with clothes. <laughs> it's very funny, you see these two characters. The son heard of his father's anger towards David and he confronted his father. The daughter, who is married to this man, heard about it, knows about it, and he's not confronting the father. She's afraid of the father. And, you know, she represents many of us. <laughs> we see things, and instead of facing them head on, we try to find a way out. Like, hey, the one you want to kill, remember that he's my husband. <laughs> remember he's my husband. Remember I'm your daughter. Remember all these things. I don't know if she really wanted to plead with the father, but she was not willing to go that road, so she told um, David to flee away. And she made some images and so that it will fool the people because she knew that these people are coming for sure for David. So when Saul sent messengers to take David, she said, he's sick. Liar. David is not sick. He's not sick. He's away. You have actually sent him away. He's not sick. Then Saul sent the messengers back to see David, saying, Bring him up to me in the bed that I may kill him. It seems like you guys are not willing to kill someone who is sick. I am willing to do that. Whatever it takes, I'll kill him. Go bring him. So the reason why he gave her own child to be married to this man because he wanted to really kill this man. Looking for every opportunity. And the messengers went and came in. There was the image in the bed with a cover of goat's hair for his head. This is also, I can give it to her. She's very creative. You think about it, the whole thing, this is a person who is very creative. I'm going to make an image right here, and if they try to touch, maybe a goat, something will do, you know. All these things, just, I cannot think about that kind of an idea. She's a brilliant artist who is ready to save the, the husband, whether it's by lie or by what. She's going to save the husband. 
Then Saul said to Michal, Why have you deceived me like this? And sent my enemy away so that he escaped. And Michael answered Saul, He said to me, Let me go. Why should I kill you? This story is very mixed up. Why should I kill you? So David fled and escaped and went to Samuel at Ramah and told him all that Saul had done to him. And he and Samuel went and stayed in Nairoth. So Saul is trying to eliminate this man, David. Saul is trying to deal with, you know, he has a lot of bitterness in his heart. And he wants to kill. He didn't deal with it. So whatever comes, especially in terms of anyone who wants to be in leadership, I will take them down. And I would encourage us as a church family, Don't get these bitter things get into your heart. Because when they are fully grown, they will breed murder. You know what James says? That if you hate your brother that much, you are a murderer. You are a killer. Why do you want to be a killer? Why would you crave murder? You're you're not killing with swords like... Saul wants to, but through the things that are deep-rooted in our hearts. When we see people, we think, of, we, we think ill of them. I wish them dead. I wish they don't see the next day. I wish they don't succeed in their endeavors. I wish this upon them. Do you think that is a godly thing to do? It's not. Forgive and choose to let go. So that depends on you. Forgiving and letting go depends on you if you want to be healed on some bitter things. And here we see David is flying, running away from the king who was about to kill him. And do you know where he runs to? He runs to the prophet. He runs to the man. After David was anointed, we don't see any other encounter with Samuel. This is the first time he's running to Samuel. David had brothers, right? We know them. David had parents. We know them. But David did not run back to his Household. He ran back to the man who anointed him. I don't know what he was thinking. Perhaps it's like, man, that anointing is causing trouble. This man is about to kill me. Things are happening, but not right. He explained the whole ordeal to Samuel. And I think this is what I think. That when he went 
to see Samuel. Two things he's seeking for wisdom and direction. Because if he just wanted comfort, he has brothers at home. At least they're trained in the matters of war. But he's running to one man where he can find solace, wisdom, encouragement, direction. That is where he ran to. Think about your troubling times. You know, when everything seems not to be working well, where do you run to? Where do you run to? I leave that up to you to think about it. Is God your go-to for everything that happens in your life? Or he's probably number three, four, after you have consulted other people who you think know better. But we just leave God. This was a wise decision, in my opinion. What David did, running to go to the man who anointed him. Now it was told Saul, saying, Take note, David is at Nairoth in Ramah. Then Saul sent messengers to take David. And when they saw the group of prophets prophesying and someone standing as a leader over them, the Spirit of God came upon the messengers of Saul and they also prophesied. (laughs) Things are changing. And when Saul was told, he sent other messengers and they prophesied likewise, the second group. Then Saul sent messengers again the third time and they prophesied also. You're asking yourself, what in the world is happening? These people When they're sent, they're sent as obedient messengers to go and bring back David. On their way before seeing David, they saw a group of prophets prophesying and Samuel, their leader, was there. And you know what happened? The Spirit of God overwhelmed them and they began to prophesy. Hallelujah. (laughs) They began to speak the marvelous, wondrous things of God. And everyone is wondering, what what happened? What is this? Are they among the prophets? Then he also, this is now Saul, he's getting tired. He sent three sets of people. They're not returning. He decided he's going to bring David by himself. He, he probably thought maybe there's a trap. David is going to kill all of these guys. Then he also went to Ramah and came to the great well that is at Siku. So he asked and said, where are Samuel and David? He's so determined. He's not even asking like, hey, I did send 
Three sets of people. Many of them. Have you guys seen them anywhere? Have you guys seen, you know, warriors anywhere around? He's not even mindful about this many people. He just wants two. That is Samuel and David. And someone said, indeed, they are at Nairoth in Ramah. So he went there to Nairoth in Ramah. Then the Spirit of God was upon him also. And he went on and prophesied until he came to Nairoth in Ramah. This, this is amazing to me, what is happening here. We saw he's a very prideful man. Even the fact that he is coming from his palace to come and seek for David, this is still pride. His son, who was a little bit loyal, he's not seeking for revenge. He's the one who helped David to escape. But now what we are seeing at the end of this chapter is God's majesty. That whatever was planned for evil, God is turning it around for good. And throughout history, this is what God does every time. He sets you up for some responsibility. He sends you on a mission. And many things happen. The enemy comes upon you like a flood. But everything the enemy brings to you for evil, for death, God breathes life upon it again. And it works for good for everyone who loves the Lord. Did he know that he was going to prophesy? <laughs> he did know. And, you know, a lot of people are talking about this portion, you know, this prophecy thing. What does it really mean? What, what, why are they prophesying? What is the content of this prophecy? Are they telling of things that are supposed to come in the future? At this context, I don't think that is what they're doing. But they're basically speaking of the wondrous, marvelous things that God has done. And everyone, everyone is, you know, marveling about this. They're marvelous in their eyes. And he also, this is the key, Saul, he also stripped of his clothes and prophesied before Samuel in like manner and lay down naked all the day and all the night. Therefore they say, is Saul also among the prophets? Is he among the prophet? Why? Because whatever he was saying, this prophecy did not collide with what was happening. <laughs> you know what it means? That where the Spirit of God is, there is order. There is no confusion. 
If you go for, for a fellowship where there's a lot of confusion, think about it. Something might be wrong. Because where the Spirit of God is, number one, there is liberty and there is no confusion. They all prophesied in like manner. The other thing that happens here is the king stripped off his clothes. And this one, friends, it does not mean that it was like naked, 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 naked. <laughs> it basically means he was stripped of his royalty. In other words, he became like ordinary. The robe was taken out. He's like any other person who is there. That is what happens when the Spirit of God comes upon people. That all of us, tunakuwa sour water. No great apostle, Reverend Dr. Archbishop, who cannot even greet people. They are untouchable, unreachable. You cannot call them. They only have one door, that door. They never show up in that door. When the Spirit of God comes upon a group of people, like our church here, all of us, we can prophesy. All of us, we can speak the same language. Speaking of those things that the Lord has done for us. Do you guys have testimonies? I believe you do. And these are testimonies of what the Lord has done. It's not of your doing. It's not what you're able to do. It is what God has done in your life. All he wants us to do is to testify of what he has done. He showed up here, and now he's naked. He's been robbed of his royalty. Why? Because in the presence of God, every one of us, we are royalty. We are priests. We are all children of God. We, we have all the privileges that the children of God have. And that is what I was thinking when we were bringing on these kids. To give them the privileges that every other child has. To be loved, to be cared for, and more so to be taught God's word. He prophesied. And every other person is wondering, is Saul, do you know why they are wondering? Because they know him. Mutu kisrani. So he mutu saitani sana. How be it that he is amongst the people who are prophesying today? What wa mwai kukushukushuku? Tengu yamiokoka kweli. 
What? A Christian. <laughs> oh, what a Christian. We have, through our Lord Jesus Christ, through his grace, we have a leeway to go to the throne of God at any time. No hindrance. I don't need to go through a priest to go talk to my father. I don't need to go and offer sacrifices so that I'll be accepted. He say, come as you are, but you don't remain the way you came. When you encounter the king of kings, you do not remain the same for sure. You don't remain the same. Get into the habit of practicing the presence of God, knowing when he speaks to you and what your response ought to be when the Lord speaks to you. Saul was seeking to kill David. He wasn't seeking the Lord. But what happened at the end of the day, the, because the Lord was watching over David, he protected David by coming upon this man, and he began to prophesy. But that is not just the end. You know, you might think now that he prophesied and he was doing that all day, all night, that this guy is really born again. That's why I said we should have discernment again because this man is going to do something funny again. So we'll continue next week and see what happens after this prophecy. Amen. May the Lord bless us and thank you for joining us tonight. Lord, we thank you for the privilege we have to read your word and to go through it. We pray that you give us a soft heart that will receive you, a heart that is ready to receive from you. When we receive correction, it doesn't matter who they are, whether it's our, our children, our husbands, our wives, our friends, that we'll be able to receive it, Lord. And I pray also that we'll have deeper friendship, friendship that can protect um, our other friends from the attacks of the enemy, Lord. We thank you for what you're speaking to us, Lord, as we disperse in fellowship, we ask for your blessings. In Jesus' name, amen.